Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. If you can turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 9 to 12. 1 Thessalonians 2, 9 to 12. The title of our message is called into his kingdom, called into his kingdom. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are called into another world where our citizenship, and you guys know this if you walked with the Lord uh, for any length of time, you realize our citizenship is in heaven. We're the king's kids. God has saved us for a new kingdom. So when we leave this earth, when we go into heaven, he provides his kingdom for us. And we're, he gives us not just part of the kingdom as we're gonna look at, he gives us the whole kingdom and we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So knowing that, as we're gonna look in our text, knowing the fact that we're the king's kids and that he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, uh, knowing where we're going, knowing that there's a heavenly place for us that lasts for all eternity, it should make a difference on how we live. There should be a, a drastic change that takes place. There should be that work of the Spirit that people around us should notice. And if not, we're exhorted today to do that, to, to make those changes that are necessary. Because guys, listen, we're in a dying world, and the darker it gets, the brighter we shine as believers. But people, listen, people need to see a change in us. They need to see the fact that, guess what? This works. The Holy Spirit working in mankind, being born of the Holy Spirit, that's something that works. It's not something we just talk about. It's just not, you know, so if we're just talking about it, but they don't see a difference, that can bring confusion. So we're exhorted today to realize the fact that we're called into his kingdom and it should make a difference in our life day by day. And so with that being said, if you can please stand with me, I'm gonna read these four verses and we're gonna look a little closer at this text. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 9, Paul the Apostle writes this new baby church, if you will, these new converts, those that just came to Christ, and he writes, For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. Verse 11, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you walk worthy, that, excuse me, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom. And can we say that last word together? Lord, for those of us that are believers, thank you that you've called us into your kingdom where your glory dwells. Thank you, Lord, that you desire to change us. Lord, I pray that that work would continue in all of our lives, that work of sanctification as you're changing us from glory to glory. Lord, make clear that message, but with that, help us to apply, to apply the truths of your word in our own lives, Lord God. We might fool the world, we might fool others, but Lord, we can't fool you. You know everything about us. So Lord, through your word, please speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So as way of reminder, Paul the Apostle writes this letter to the church that's there in Thessalonica. That's in modern-day uh, Greece right now. 
Um, it's a fairly young church, as I mentioned. Uh, he, Paul, was with Silas on his second missionary journey. He shared the gospel. Many came to the Lord. He was driven out by the Jewish leaders. Uh, they were jealous. They were envious of him. So he was driven out of the city. So he makes his way to Corinth. And while he's in Corinth, he's writing this letter. And he's writing this letter to remind them that he was a hard worker, that he, that, uh, that he was there encouraging them as a father encourages his own children. And so I want to look back a little closer here at verse 9. So again, he says, For you remember, brethren, the labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. Paul's reminding them when he was there that he worked real hard day and night that he could, listen to this, that he can volunteer his time to minister to, those, to the people there in, in uh, Thessalonica. So he's, he's reminding them. And he says, and even that word toil, it's, a, it's an interesting word. The toil means to work hard. It implies unusual exertion and energy. Uh, it, it even can include pain. Have you ever worked so hard you wake up the next morning you're like, oh, you're in pain. The older I get, it happens all the time. But it's a reminder for us. Paul the Apostle, he could have, you know, sent out support letters to all of them and that's the like and say, oh, you got to support me. You got to take care of me. I'm feeding you. You have to feed me and all this. But he didn't even do that. As an example, he didn't want to be a burden on them. He wanted to set a great example of the fact that I'm working hard, that I could just take my time and volunteer myself and give myself to you. And it's a great example for us to, to remind us that in the kingdom of God, daughters of Christ, sons of the Lord, that were to be hard workers. I believe there's a generation that's been raised up that we've been watching where it's, it's promoting laziness. Do you ever notice that? It's like, oh, no, no, we'll just hand you everything. You don't have to work. Matter of fact, stay home. We'll give you more money than you'll make if you do go to work. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, if I was young and that, I would say, sign me up. Yeah, I'll sit at home. But but it's not a godly thing. And I believe the, the reason why we're seeing all this is because the Bible's not being taught. Throughout the Bible, there's all kinds of scripture that talks about, you know, not being lazy, don't be a sluggard, work hard, work with your hands. And constantly through the book of Genesis to Revelation, we see that. And Paul is a great example of that. We're blessed here to have so many people just are, you know, working hard for the church and toiling for the church. I, we have a, a group of guys that come here during the, uh, during the day because they're retired and we're just, it's like God sent and they work hard and you see they're, you know, they're working constantly. It's like, God, you're so awesome. And it's, it's a good thing. During part of my upbringing, I was raised with my grandparents and my grandfather was a great example of a hard worker. And I watched him, you know, no matter what, if, even when he was sick, he would get up first thing in the morning. He was up every morning, five o'clock in the morning, five thirty, he was up. And I would get up because he would always make breakfast. I could smell it upstairs. I'd say, oh, grandpa's up. And he was a great example. And it's biblical. I truly can say, standing up here, my wife can testify to the fact, I love working. I love working with my hands. I've been blessed by God. I've never, by the grace of God, I, I've never had to take unemployment all my life. I started working when I was 12 years old, working full-time. Then when I was in college, I worked full-time in college. I worked full-time and went to college full-time for a while. That was real difficult, let me tell you that. But 
it was instilled in me and it's like, it's a good thing and I'm still that way. So last Friday, I was just here, you know, I was literally, there's a crawl space up here. I was up in the crawl space and we were, there's another crawl space over there then downstairs and we, we went up on the roof and I just love that kind of stuff. I just love working with my hands. God's put that in me and I'm and reading this text. I'm like, that's awesome. That's how, that's how we should be. It's something that as men, I believe it's good for us to instill in our children, the grandchildren, and to instill in them that this is a good thing that, to, to, to do that. And I, I think about even when I was in the, in the corporate world before, when I was actually started at this, the meter company, I was 17 years old. I lied on my application. I wasn't a Christian, so I said I was 18 to get the job. So that's, that's how bad I want the, wanted the job. They said, you have to be 18. I was like, okay. Then I changed it, and so that's not a good thing. So I don't, you know, never do that, okay? I wasn't a believer, but it's 17 years old. But so our first contract changing out water meters was in the city of Detroit, and so we've seen everything. You name it, I've seen it. Crack houses, um, you name it. I, there's nothing. I, I mean, drug deals would go on. Literally, I'd walk in one house. So they got Uzis out on their table. They got their, their money, you know, briefcases open with stacks of money and drugs are all over the place. And I'd walk in the, and then they look at me like, do we have to kill this, this guy? And I was like, nope, just meter guy, just meter around. Do, do what you're going to do and just keep going. And seriously, I mean, I've seen it all. But I remember when the project was ending and I went into the office to pick up my check. I'll never forget this because it was just a, a you know, I look back and I'm the blessing of it. But so I'm picking up my check and they're saying, well, we don't have any more work. And I was like, oh no. And so, you know, everybody's, you know, don't have, they don't have jobs and all that. And so as I'm picking up my check, I saw on the, behind the desk, I think it was on a filing cabinet, there's a stack of work orders. Well, work orders means work, right? So I said, what are those? And literally they said, well, those are all the ones that they were rejected. Nobody wants to do those. I said, well, give them to me. And they're like, really? I said, yeah, I'll take them. And I took all the, the, the stacks. I took them with me. Uh, by the grace of God, I just loved working. There was only two jobs I wasn't able to do out of all of those. And that opened doors for me at that time. It opened doors, and that's why I moved up. And so everybody was off. You know, I was like the last one. They're, they're out of work, and I'm just working away. And, and God just kind of looking back at that, God bless that. But, but my point is, it's, it's Paul the Apostle, he labored hard. But I believe in his weakness even, God gave him supernatural strength. Good verses that go with this. Ephesians 4, 28, Paul the Apostle writing to the church in Ephesus says, let him who stole steal what? No longer. That's good advice, isn't it? But rather let him do what? Labor, working with his hands, what is good. So that's good. This is scripture saying it's good to work with your hands, that he may have something to give him who has need. So there's real needs and then people are needed. There's real legitimate reasons why some people can't work and we're to help those that are in need. But Paul is telling them, work hard, work with your hands. So good reminder. I love this prayer. This in Psalm 90, this is a prayer of Moses and he's praying for the children of Israel. Check this out what he prays. He says, let your work appear to your can we say that out loud? Servants. That's a good thing. Just that alone, he's praying for them. May the work that you have for your, your, your children, the children of Israel, may it appear to them. May they know what you want them to do. Isn't it awesome when you're, you're doing what you, you know God has you to do? Before I accepted Christ, when I was in the corporate world, I, I remember there's many times I was like, what, did you, what am I here for? I'd yell at God before I even knew the Lord. I was like, why am I here? What's my purpose? What's the plan? Is this it? I'm just going to work hard and die? And then the Lord says, you know, basically when I got saved, he said, this is what I've called you to do. Now walk in it. Do you know what you're called to do? Well, that's a great prayer. Let your work appear to your servants. 
and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Don't you love the wording of that? I pray that for this church. May the beauty of our Lord be upon all of us, his awesomeness on our lives. But then listen, he goes on, and establish the work of our hands for us. And if God didn't get it, he repeats it. He says, yes, establish the work of our hands. So he's saying, in other words, make it clear what you'd have us to do, Lord. Do you know what God's called you to do? Enjoy it. Do it heartily as unto to the Lord and to nobody else. But establish, establish, make certain that I know, let them know the work that you've called them to do. So awesome passage. He goes on, verse 10, Paul the Apostle writing to this new church, this, this baby church, this young church. He says, you are witnesses and God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. Paul the Apostle didn't just talk the talk. He said, you knew our behavior. If you're a note taker, the the word devoutly means we behaved in a godly way or in a God-pleasing way. The word justly, if you're a note taker, it means in a right way, in a righteous way. We walked upright. Blamelessly means without fault, without blame. So he's saying, you guys saw, it wasn't just words that we preached. Listen, listen, Paul is saying, you saw us changed. You witnessed the fact that, that our lives were changed. You saw the power of God. He didn't, did, he didn't say, oh, please don't look at us. Just look to Jesus. Do you ever hear people say that? Oh, don't look at me, man. Look at Jesus, right? Well, it sounds godly and all, but no, Paul's saying, no, no, look to Jesus, but watch our changed lives. Watch the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Has that happened in your life? The power of the Holy Spirit changing us. I pray that's happened in in all of our lives because God wants to change every one of us. I mentioned this on Tuesday night, and uh, I love the fact throughout this whole church, there's people in here that the power of God has changed them in such a way I don't even recognize them anymore. Seriously. They're they're coming to church, and I'm like, wait a second. Can I please see a picture when you first came to church? Because this is not the same person. Why? Because the power of God has worked in such a powerful way that's like the beauty of the Lord are on these people in this church. That's an awesome thing. And Paul's saying, you witnessed it? God also can testify that, that we lived and behaved in a godly way. And when I look at that also, I look at, okay, people are watching us. I remember after accepting the Lord and in I'm at work, and one of my friends at work came up to me and says, I can't believe you call yourself a Christian. I was like, oh, no, what did I do? And I says, why? What do you, why did you say that? And he says, well, you know, that comment that you made earlier, that you said this and that. And I was like, no, 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 no. No, I said this and that. And he goes, oh, that makes sense. And then I realized after he told me that, I'm thinking, wow, they're watching me. This dying world needs to see that Jesus is real. Amen. And it's not a condemnation to us. We're going to make mistakes. Listen, you've heard me say this before. I want to say it again. It's not that we're sinless, but we sin less. And they should see that. My good friend, he came to me very seriously. He came up to me once and says, hey, uh, Joe, I, I want to say something to you. He says, I want the old Joe back. And I was like, what do you mean, the old Joe? And then, you know, the guy that parties, the guy that goes out with us, and we do all those stuff. And I said, you want him back? I says, well, guess what? He's not coming back. I said, He's dead. And he kind of looked at me like, you're weird, you know? I said, he's dead. He's not coming back. And I look back at that. I'm like, that was a compliment. Because they see a change, but they realize the change wasn't something that I, it was the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so Paul the Apostle said that. We're, we didn't just talk the talk. It, it's easy to say, oh, I'm a Christian. Do you ever meet people like that? 
They say, I'm a Christian, and they live like the devil? I've literally had to tell people before. I've, I've gone up to them and said, please don't tell anyone you're a Christian. They're like, what are you talking about? It's like, you're living like the devil. That brings confusion. Just the other day, one of our neighbors, he came knocking on our door, which was kind of strange. I'm like, what does he want? I don't know him that well. It was just, you know, I've talked to him a few times and, and all. So he's knocking on the door. So I, I'm like, yeah, can I help you? And he's like, he says, hey, the delivery truck's here. I bought an appliance and it's missing a part. And he says, hey, can, can you stay at my house for about 30 minutes, 15, 20, 30 minutes? Because I got to run up to the hardware store. And he said, they, they won't, they can't, the delivery guy said, we can't, you know, just be in your house without somebody here. So can you just sit in my house? And I'm, I said, yeah. And we had somewhere to go. And we, so, but, but I didn't tell him that. And I said, yeah, we'll go. Yeah, I'll be right there. So marched down there. And, and then sure enough, he needed another part. So they couldn't do it. So they had to leave. And so, but then I started thinking through that. I'm thinking, why did he go to our house? And maybe he thought, well, I, I think I can trust the pastor in my home. Maybe something like that. <laughs> I don't know. But he could have knocked on any of the doors. There's a whole, you know, bunch of other doors, but he went and marched right over to our house. And I thought, that's a good thing. I hope it's because he trusts that I'm not going to steal anything in his house or something like that, that he notices a difference. Great verses that go with this. This was our scripture reading, actually. The Apostle Peter says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen to this. As his divine, can we say that out loud, please? power has given to us some things, all things that pertain to what? Life and his divine power gives us everything we need to do life and to be godly. We Listen, you and I have full access to the throne of God. The power that raised Christ Jesus up from the dead is available for every one of us. So we can't cop out and say, oh, you know, that God understands. No, no. He wants to give you the power over everything. He wants to give you the power to live a godly life. He wants to give you the power to do life itself. But that divine power that's available to us through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. It's available to us. Be encouraged. Paul the Apostle writing to Titus said, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards men appeared, not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he did what? Saved us. Not anything we can do good to, get, to become saved. It's his righteousness that saved us. But it goes on, listen. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the what? The renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he, God, poured out on us. Can we say that word together? Abundantly. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's abundantly poured out his Holy Spirit upon us. Listen, that we would be different. And different, hopefully, in a good way. We live in a world that desperately, desperately needs Jesus. Amen? And God's way of salvation is to use us. And I guarantee you, people around us, they're watching us more than they're listening to us. And I pray they see a difference in us. We're, we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. So if, if, if you're being under condemnation, right, like, oh, oh, pastor, this is condemning. No, no, no. It shouldn't be at all condemning. It's a, just realize the Holy Spirit's poured out on us. They should see a difference in us. But listen, even when we're talking, trust the Holy Spirit's using you. Just regular conversation. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Have you ever been around someone that's just so filled with God and the Holy Spirit? They're talking and you're like, wow, God's speaking to me through this person. If not, you need to be around people like that. But you and I need to be those people, amen? So this world's in desperate need of Jesus. I believe that Jesus Christ is coming soon for his church. I believe that with all my heart. Do we have anything to see? Do we have any signs, do you think, that are taking place these days? People are laughing at this point. Why are we laughing when we say, are we seeing signs? Because, matter of fact, it's like, Jesus, are you running late? What's going on? Check this out. If you guys, hopefully you've seen this. This is just out. You know who these three leaders are? You've got the president of Russia, president of Iran, and you've got Erdogan, the president of Turkey. Does this ring a bell? Anything in scripture come to mind? The three main leaders of the Battle of Gog of Magog that will come down from the north and attack Israel? Are they giving us any indication that they're going to attack Israel in this? Well, let me read what they said. This is uh, Putin speaking. He says, our relationship is really developing at a good pace. Talking about this relationship, the Gog of Magog relationship that they have, said the Russian president. Listen to this. We boast record level of growth in trade. Then he says, we are strengthening our, listen, engagement on international security issues. What is that? Well, I think he explains it. And it goes on, and making a significant contribution to resolve the Syrian conflict. Who's involved with the Syrian conflict? Israel. That's exactly what they're saying. So we're reading in the news, these three leaders are getting together, joining hands, telling us exactly what they're going to do. They're saying, we're going to solve this, this problem that we're having with Israel because Israel keeps going into Syria and keeps stopping us from advancing. And so we're going to work together and deal with this. As we've talked about before, this could very well be the Battle of Gog of Magog. I truly believe, scripturally speaking, the, the Battle of Gog of Magog will be something, it'll be right in the midst of the rapture of the church. It'll, rapture of the church, I believe, will happen probably right before this battle, or right during the battle, or shortly after this battle starts. Guys, I think we need to look up. What do you think? And you might say, well, you sure that there's tension between Israel and Russia? Well, Russia moves to shut Jewish agency, fueling Israel tension. So this means that uh, Russia's decided not to let the Jewish people out of their country. They're holding them captive, if you will. Keep your eye on Israel. Keep your eye on Russia. Keep your eye on the Middle East, because these things are developing. I would suggest for all of us as believers, let's keep looking up. Amen? Amen. And then you have this that's taking place. I don't know if you guys saw this here in the United States. House passes bill to codified marriage equality with large bipartisan support. So uh, they codified it. So they were concerned because the Supreme Court was talking about reversing the whole thing with gay marriage. So they codified it so it can't be changed. And 47 Republicans stood with them. I wish I had some good news to give you. I like to usually do that, but I didn't bring any with me. So let's go back. (laughs) Verse 11. And he goes on to say, as you know, so Paul talking to this young church, he said, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. He's reminding them when he was there how he was like a dad. He said, we exhorted you. That's, that means to come alongside, to urge you, but also the main uh, definition of this is we encouraged you. We gave you encouragement. We comforted you. That he 
consoled with them. He was right alongside of them. And another word for encouragement. And he was like telling them, do, do you remember when I was there? I was like an encouraging father to you guys. As believers, listen, we all need encouragement. Amen. And I just want to say, when, if you encourage others, God will encourage you. I can stand up here and say, I truly believe with all my heart, biblically speaking, guys, it's almost over. The finish line is right before us. Be encouraged. Keep looking up. Our redemption draws near. Hi, this is Pastor Joe, and I'd like to take a moment to personally invite you to one of our three services here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor in Huntington Beach. Our service times are 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Please come and say hi after the service. I would love to meet you. For more information, check out our website at ccoth.com. That's ccoth.com. God bless you. You've been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. Our new location is at 4121 Warner Avenue in Huntington Beach at the beautiful Huntington Harbor Marina. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.